we're in a series called Supernatural Works of the Church. Good. I mean, we've been in it for a while, so hopefully if you've been around a little bit, you know what it is. How many are getting a lot out of that series? Okay. Thank you, guys. I mean, come on. We got to liven up a little bit. Anyway, Matt has preached four um, out of the five messages. Next week, we're going to wrap it up. It's going to be amazing. If you have not heard all of the four, try to watch it before you get here next week because they are powerful. They've been doing a lot in a lot of people's lives. God has really been ministering to us. I have gotten a lot out of it. And, you know, I'm his wife. I get to hear this stuff all week long, all month long. Um, but sitting here and listening um, to him preach it, it's speaking to me. And that's because it's not him. It's the Holy Spirit. And so when we listen to the Holy Spirit, he's going to speak to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we've been reading out of Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. And so we've heard that every week. But I, this is not a part of that message series. But I'm going to stay closely connected to it. Because I feel like what I'm speaking on today is going to help us to better work supernaturally like Jesus called us to. And so today I'm going to talk about discernment. Discernment. How many of you guys know what discernment is, the definition? Okay, so Charles Spurgeon, this is what he said discernment is. He said it's not knowing the difference between right and wrong. Most people kind of know that. But it's knowing the difference between right and and almost right. That's good, isn't it? It reminds me of when I go and I tell Dax to clean up his room. He, he's youngest um, of six. He's six years old. He's the only boy, um, spoiled quite a bit. And so I tell him to go clean up his room. And usually this is a, a day after day process. I know, but it's, it's a challenge. And so finally he'll come running out to me when it's like, buddy, you are not going to get a snack if you don't clean your room. I mean, he's highly motivated by food. And so if he knows he's not going to get food, then he's going to do just about whatever I ask him to do. And so he'll come out about 15 minutes later, and he'll be like, Mommy, I cleaned my room. Come look. Yeah, and so I go in there, and at first glance, everything's, everything's off the floor. You know, and the bed's made. It's a little bumpy, but, you know, the bed's made, and, and that's probably normal for a six-year-old boy. But if you look a little closer, yeah, you see everything shoved under the bed. There's things kind of coming out from between the mattresses, and if you open the closet, it comes pouring out at you. It looks right on the surface, but it wasn't quite right. And that's what the enemy tries to do. The enemy doesn't often come and tell us this bold-faced lie. He comes and he takes the truth and he twists it just a little bit. So it looks almost right And if we aren't a discerning person, if we haven't exercised our discernment, then we're going to say, oh, that looks good. Like if I walked into Dax's room, like, yeah, that looks good. And we go on, and then I wonder why he has no shoes, because they're stuffed in the mattresses. That's what the enemy tries to do. He tried to do it with Jesus in the wilderness. Do you guys know that story when Jesus went into the wilderness before he um, entered into his ministry? And the Bible says that he was tempted or he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, that the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness to fast. Then the Bible says right after that, and he was hungry. I said, of course he was hungry. 
But I think the reason why the Bible told us that is because Jesus is the son of God and he wasn't operating in deity because if he was operating as the son of God in that moment, then fasting for 40 days and 40 nights wouldn't have mattered. But he was limited to the human body and to our human limitations. And so the Bible's letting us know that he was actually hungry, just like you and I would be hungry if we didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And so the enemy came and he tempted him with three different temptations. And the first one was, if you really are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Now at first glance, he really is the son of God. And he really is hungry. And he's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, does it? But Jesus said, but the word of God says, it is written, that you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And what he was saying is, God didn't tell me to turn these stones into bread. God told me to go and fast until he said different, and so I'm going to obey the word of God. The next one, the enemy was a little more cunning. He said, okay, well, let's go up into this you know, high pinnacle and just go ahead and jump off. Because the word says, so it is written, I'll quote scripture to you, Jesus, that the angels will be given charge over you and you won't even dash your foot against a stone. Well, at first glance, that is scripture. That is what the Bible said. But because Jesus is full of discernment, he says, but the word also says not to test the Lord your God. And so you can see how the enemy comes and he doesn't tell necessarily a bold-faced lie all the time. He comes and he twi- tries to twist the truth. Proverbs 1.5 says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So where do we get guidance? Where did Jesus? The word of God. We get discernment from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so I was uh, preaching this message a couple weeks in Jerseyville, and my oldest had went with me, and we were talking in the car about how she needs to fill out her driving log, and I thought this was a really great um, application for what I was talking about, so I figured that I'd sell her out a little bit. Um, yeah, it's totally okay. In fact, Jess gave me a cup that said, be careful because I may use you in my sermon. So they know, they know, they've seen the cup. Um, And so anyway, uh, we were talking about this driving log, and she was like, Mom, everybody says they never ask for a driving log. And I said, yeah, I've heard that too. And she's like, and a lot of people said they just gave a close guess. Okay, and I'm going to pause right here. Parents, this isn't to make you feel convicted. This is really to illustrate my point and kind of sell it my daughter a little bit, so hopefully she'll do her driving log. But what I told her is when I step into the DMV, They're saying, did she fulfill everything that we've asked her to do? And if I say, let's get a license, I'm saying yes. And so I told her, I was like, if if I'm going to go in and say that, I'm giving my word. And so you're going to fill out your driving log if you get to drive anymore. So if you feel the need to encourage her to fill that out, I would appreciate it very much. Uh, So I want to talk with you today about discernment in our everyday lives. As we talk, I have a simple question that I want you to think about. Do you discern well? Do you discern well in your jobs? Do you discern well in the decisions you make? Do you discern well in your everyday life? So let's pray. Dear Father God, we come before you. And Jesus, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. 
that you would open our hearts to be able to see what you have to say to us today. Holy Spirit, if you're not speaking, then all of these words are empty words. So we invite you in to help us hear. We invite you in to be Lord, Lord God, to do whatever it is that you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I have four points today. And the first point is the word discerns us. Before we can discern well, we have to get the lies and the junk and all the things that cloud our vision, that cloud our judgment out of our life. Little plug for Kairos, our life group. This is what Kairos helps us do. It helps us to take an inward look in our life and to see what's in there. What kind of lies do we have? What kind of mess is in there through the wounds or our experiences or the traumas in our life? And let's lay that before God so that we can get it out of our life. Because that is so necessary to be able to discern well. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So let me ask you this. Have you ever been reading the word and you felt like, wow, that just hit a little different? Nobody? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wow, or have you been in a message? And I know this from some of you. And you're like, wow, I feel like, like they were in my home. Like Pastor Matt, he's really good at that. I hear it all the time. I felt like he was walking around watching me. He doesn't. He's not a stalker, I promise. I'd have a real problem with that. What it is is the Holy Spirit is taking the word of God and he's highlighting something in your life that you need to see. The word of God is discerning you. There's a story that we heard of a man um, that was reading a scripture. You all know this scripture. People in and out of the church know this scripture. John 3.16. I could probably have you say it in unison. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he was reading the scripture for who knows how many, like what time it was in his life. And he said, on this day, it hit a little different. And he was like, I don't love the world. Like God showed me that I don't love the world. And that was so good because that's how God takes something. That's how the word is living. That no matter how many times you read it, what you need in that moment in your life will speak to your heart in a different way. And God was saying, let me show you something. Let me reveal something to you so that we can deal with that thing because I don't want you to stay in that place. I want to heal you from that. And so the word was discerning him. I hear a lot of people say that they want to be used by God. Does anybody here want to be used by God to make an impact in the world? Yes, I do too. In fact, I think it's one of the most amazing things that God does. And And everything he does is amazing. But to me, it blows me away that God, with a word spoke everything that we know. Everything in the known and unknown world, God spoke with a word, except for man, which he formed with his hands. He did it all in six days, but yet he chooses to work year after year, decade after decade, you know, generation after generation through imperfect people so that we can be a part of his plan, so that we can experience relationship with him, so that we can see more of him. Sometimes I think if there were ever anything that were actually easier for God, it would be just to do it on his own. Just to like, hold on guys, you stay over here, let me just do it all myself. But God says, no, I'm gonna work through imperfect people. And that just blows my mind because he loves us that much 
that he wants to use us to be able to work out his perfect plan. But he uses us best when we're clay at his feet, when we're like, God, discern us, when we're like David, you know, create in me a clean heart, search me, let your word discern me so those lies are removed, so that junk is removed, so those hurts are healed. And so when I discern what is going on, it's through a clear lens and not a distorted one. We should always start with ourselves because we can't effectively minister to others until God has done a deep work in us. And the word of God will discern us to get out the good and evil, but also the almost right that we could mistake as right. Amen? Amen. I remember um, that when I started my homeschool journey, and I was thinking about this yesterday, it was 12 years ago. I am not that old to be homeschooling for 12 years. Anyway, um, 12 years ago, I started homeschooling my oldest. And as she began the homeschool journey, it was, she just kind of picked up on stuff pretty quick, on being able to read and write. I was able to give her full attention. And I started to feel, you know, pretty good when people were like, wow, she reads so well. She reads so fast. Her handwriting's so beautiful. You do such a great job. And so, you know, I was starting to think, yeah, I missed my calling. I should have been a teacher. Like I would have been, you know, teacher of the month every month because I didn't tell anyone that. But like I started to feel really good about myself in this. And then I heard a statistic and it said up till about the age of like third grade, most kids can be moved faster or slower. Like they have an amazing ability to catch up, but they also could be pushed further along um, in their learning. And, And that, I didn't realize, but it started to kind of mess with me. I'm like, I don't know that that's true. I don't know that I believe that. You know, that that must be wrong. Like she must actually be, you know, a prodigy because I'm such an amazing teacher. And I couldn't figure out quite why that it messed with me. But then I read Romans eleven twenty one. It says, "Do not be puffed up with pride." Ouch! And that one really stood out to me. And I was like, "Man, God, why did that stand out to me so much?" Um, But he was like, you know, uh, you're placing a whole lot of value of yourself in what, you know, your first grader is doing. Um, You're not really that great. And so it helped me to deal with that pride in my life that really kind of stemmed from insecurity and wanting to have, you know, not getting my value from God, but getting my value from something else. But I was so grateful that God led me to that painful process of dealing with pride because it is. Because now looking back, I could see had I continued to maintain that in my life, I would have pushed and pushed And pushed my kids, and I would have eventually wounded and damaged them because I was pushing them to a place that they probably never could have attained to. Not because I I felt that I saw it in them, but because I needed that in myself. I needed them to do that so that I could feel valued. And I'm so grateful that God dealt with that in my life because I would have wound up hurting my kids along the way. Have you ever felt exposed by the Word of God? It's a weird place to be in because when it's by God, it's kind of this uncomfortable but yet safe place all at the same time because it's God and he's your loving father. Hebrews 4.13 says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. And what that scripture tells me is that I'm going to give an account 
for everything I do in my life. And I can do it by letting the word of God discern me and deal with me and repent. Or I can deal with it when I see the damage that I've done like I would have to my kids. Or I can deal with it on judgment day, but he sees, and at some point I'm going to deal with it. And I don't know if you're like me, but I would rather deal with it now, right now, before standing before him and having to deal with it on that day. And he would rather deal with it now as well. How many of you heard or felt that God was maybe wanting to do something in the body of Christ, turn things around, that something, that there was a wrong and something was being highlighted and he was speaking that to you? Anyone? You see, you guys don't want to say yes, I know what it is. So it's okay, you don't have to raise your hands. But, you know, God, God will highlight things to us. Man, this world's selfish. Man, there's a lot of entitlement in this world. There, there's these things that, that I'm seeing in this world. And so how do you respond when you see those things? Do you say, hey, man, social media, like everybody in this world is so, and we all need, or do you say, hey, God, you're showing me something, and I'm assuming you want to start with me. I'm assuming that if there's selfishness in the world, that God reveals selfishness in me first. Because once you deal with it in me, then I can more humbly and with more compassion and with more clarity be able to speak to the world around me. But if I don't deal with it in me, then I look like a hypocrite, right? And we don't want to do that. Point number two is we learn to discern. We're not born with it. We don't just get it. There aren't some people that are just better naturally than other people. Psalms 119.66 says, Teach me good judgment and discernment, for I rely on your commands. We have to be taught discernment. We have to go to the word and be taught good discernment. Because we're not going to be able to look with our earthly eyes and be able to just get it. It's from the word of God that we get discernment. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. I'm going to pause right there. And I'm going to say, if you don't know the word of God, then you're a babe. And I don't mean to convict or condemn or whatever, but without the word of God, you can't be a mature Christian. But the beautiful thing is, is there's no limitation to any of us. If any of us go to the word of God, we will mature. It's equal for everyone. We will mature. If we carry on, it says, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, by those who by reason of use of their, have exercised their senses to discern both good and evil. Discernment has to be exercised. It has to be used. We have to read the word of God and then apply it. And as we read it and apply it, our discernment increases. Hebrews was, um, Hebrews was written by Paul, and he was talking to wavering Jewish believers, believers who were once strong in their faith, and they were starting to waver. And what he was saying is, by now, you should be able to be teaching people. Another version says, instead of exercise, by constant use. And he was saying, you should have been constantly using your discernment. Because if you were constantly using it, you would be learning how to discern well, and you would be able to teach other people how to do so. In 1 Corinthians, it says that we 
don't learn discernment via our natural mind. We do it by way of our spirit. And so if we're trying to learn how to discern from the news, from social media, even from our friends, we are not going to be discerning well. There's a whole lot of almost right in all of those things I mentioned. And if your discernment isn't exercised, when you see something or you hear something that looks almost right, you're going to believe it is truth. And then you are going to begin to align your life with that lie. Have any of you ever been there? Because I know I certainly have. But when we begin to pour into ourselves the word of God and we learn to discern well, all of a sudden those little things start to stand out. All of a sudden those things that look almost right, you're like, something just isn't right about that. There's something a little off about that. And we begin to discern that. And it doesn't maybe make sense to our mind, but it does to our spirit. We began early on, thankful to the Holy Spirit, by teaching our kids. It was a focus to teach our kids how to hear the voice of God. And we did it by having them read the Bible. Thankfully, Pastor Mike and Miss Christy, they were like, our kids started reading the Bible early. We got them up every morning and they would read their Bible. There was this beautiful story of when Brooke was like 10, I think it was, and she would highlight and take notes and all of this stuff. At 10 years old, guys, it inspired me. And I was like, okay, my kids are going to read the Bible. And so as soon as they were really able to read, our kids read the Bible all the time. And outside of Dax who does not like to read anything, but he's six. And most of the time is, buddy, you got to read your Bible. Oh, I hate to read. Any other parents have a kid like that? Maybe they're not six. Maybe they're 26. I don't know. Um, but they read their Bible. But because they have done it diligently, I don't have to fight with them to read their Bible. In fact, there are times when I'm like, all right, guys, it's time for school. You need to stop reading your Bible so that we can get some other things done. But by reading their Bible, they learned what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like. And then when I would see them start to operate by that, when I would see them like, you know, well, what does this mean, mom? Like some, something doesn't sound right. I'm like, that's because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Or when I saw them start to pull away from a relationship that was unhealthy, I was like, hey, I just want you to know that you're sensing the Holy Spirit in that. And it would help them to learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Another way we would do it is we were very careful about what they put in. Do you guys know that what we put in is what comes out? And so, and it's not just kids. We are very careful about what we put in ourselves. We, we are careful about the movies we watch. We are careful about the things we see, the things we read, the things we listen to. That's why I never have any idea what's going on in the world because the news is just so depressing. So I just wait for Matt to tell me when he listens to the highlights or reads the highlights somewhere else. But I am very careful with what is put in to our kids. And so very early on, we wouldn't watch anything that resembled witchcraft. It was just something that was just a really big deal. And listen, a lot of times that stuff, it's wrapped up under the title of Disney and cutesified in a cartoon fashion, but it is still just as dangerous. But it required me to stand again, not stand against, but stand out in family, stand out in groups of friends because, well, why don't your kids listen to that? My kids listen to that or my kids watch that. And hey, no judgment. You have to follow the Holy Spirit for your family, but for my family, 
I was like, that's just something we can't pour in. And I knew that God was preparing them for something by making sure this was a big guard around them, that they were in no way desensitized to the things of the, that world, the witchcraft world. And I just want to make a disclaimer. We do imagination all the time. We, we turn into princesses and butterflies and all that stuff. I'm talking about the things that are really witchcraft covered in masks. Uh, and so... My oldest, she went to driver's ed, so her whole school experience was one quarter in like 11 years, basically, and would you know that in that class, there were kids doing tarot cards in that class, and they all thought it was fun because that's what's happening, and she was like, mom, like, man, I could just sense it in the room because she was sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. She was sensitive and able to discern what was going on that was probably very normal to every other kid there, so they were desensitized, and that's why it was fun. Are you learning to discern? Are you spending time in the Word of God, becoming familiar with truth and what is right, so that when the enemy comes with a counterfeit, you're not thrown off? There's an illustration that I've used that many people have used so many times, but it's so good. So why would I give you a different one? But when the federal agent or federal government is teaching their agents how to identify a counterfeit bill, they do not spend all their time focusing on all the different ways that people have learned to counterfeit. Could you imagine? Like there's a lot of really intelligent people out there. There's probably all kinds of ways that people have learned to counterfeit money. What they spend the majority of their time doing is focusing on the real thing. Learning the details of the real thing, the feel, the touch, the smell, the whatever is on there. They are focusing on the real thing. The Bible tells us that as the world gets darker, that people will come up with more ways to sin. And there is no way that we are going to be able to know all the ways. We can't study all the ways. And as parents, we certainly can't prepare our kids for all the ways the enemy is going to come and try to get them off course. But what we can do is we can make them so familiar with the truth, that they know the truth so well, that when anything comes their way, they recognize it. And they can't be deceived by whatever the enemy throws at them. Third point is that we are called to discern. And so discernment means to understand in some places, but it also means to judge in some places. And I know what maybe some of you might be thinking, well, hold on, there's a scripture somewhere in the Bible that says we're not supposed to judge. Do you guys know that scripture? Yeah. Okay, well, it's in Matthew 7, and it says, judge not lest ye be judged. But if you read the whole passage, passage, what it says is that, What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go and take the plank out of your own eye. You're supposed to deal with yourself. When you see something, don't be a hypocrite and start pointing and accusing other people. Deal with yourself because then when you take the plank out of your own eye, you can see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. It doesn't say don't ever talk to your brother about the speck in his eye. It says first deal with yourself. And then when you have clean hands and a pure heart and you're operating in love and you can see clearly, then help your brother because we are called to judge. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
Here we're saying, no, test the spirits. You need to test them. You need to judge them because there are many false prophets that have went out into the world. Don't be someone that just believes everything that is thrown at you. You have to be able to discern. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 through 22 says, test everything and hold on to what is good. Here, here is a whole other level. Test everything and hold on to what is good. It does not say test everything and then when you see what someone else is doing wrong, blast it on social media, just so you know. It doesn't say test everything and then go and tell that person the 16 things they need to change in their life. It says test everything and hold on to what is good so that you aren't deceived, so that you know where God is leading you. There was a story that, a testimony that we were told a couple weeks ago, weeks ago about a girl in our youth, here in our youth. And it said that she was sitting in one of her classes and they were talking about something. I don't know exactly the details of what they were teaching, but she was taught that Ham, who is Noah's son, was cursed by God with his skin being black. In our schools, was cursed by God with his skin being black. And she knew that something wasn't right. And so she went to the Bible and she looked up the scriptures about Noah and she saw that, that yes, Ham was cursed, but he wasn't cursed by God at all. He was cursed by his father. And it had nothing to do with his skin at all. He was cursed to being a servant because of what he did. And at first, when I heard that testimony, I was like, praise God that we are raising up a generation of youth here that will not be deceived by that. Oh, I was so proud and I was so thankful. But in the same time, I was like, man, every teacher probably teaches, what, about six classes? And there's about 25-ish kids in each class. So if there's an estimate of 150 kids that day, that heard that lesson, what about the 149? Does that 149 now believe that God cursed man with black skin? It broke my heart. It broke my heart about the lies that the enemy is sowing into our youth, into our world. And I can only imagine if there's a student at 14, 15 years old that doesn't really know a whole lot about God and then they hear that, why would they go to him? Why would they go to him? But that's the enemy's goal. A.W. Tozer wrote in 1955, so about 70 years ago, he said, I can only say that I have observed on significant lack among evangelical Christians, which might turn out to be the real cause of most of our spiritual troubles. And of course, if that were true, then the supplying of that lack would be our most critical need. What he's saying is I've looked around at the church, not the world, the church, and I've realized something, that there's a great deficiency and if, and if that is true, then if we just supply this deficiency, then it's going to make a major difference in our world. And he said, the great deficiency to which I refer is the lack of spiritual discernment, especially among our leaders. How there can be so much Bible knowledge and so little insight, so little moral penetration is one of the great enigmas of the religious world today. Seventy years ago. 
And so for those of you who've been around 70 plus years, would you say that the world is in a drastically different place than what it was then? I mean, if you look back in history, it is. In 70 years ago, what he was saying is that the church lacks spiritual discernment. Statistically, there is an average of 2.5 Bibles in every household. Now, I don't know who's breaking Bibles in half and sharing it, but we really shouldn't do that. Seriously. But if there's an average of 2.5 Bibles in every household, we have more access than probably what we ever had in any time of history. Not to mention we can put it on our phone, we can have it replayed to us, we can put it on the car, we can pull it up on our computer. Like, we can access the Word of God anywhere. And I've asked you about three different scriptures, and I've said, do you guys know this scripture? Do you guys know that scripture? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know, actually, a decent amount of the Word of God. But in the church... Would you say there's deep moral penetration? Would you say that you see that word of God in operation in much of the church world? But like I said in point number one, how much of it do you see in operation in your own life? It's a question I ask myself. Because the answer to changing the great deficiency is not me pointing my finger at everyone else. It's like, God, let it penetrate deeper in me. God, let it, let it operate more in me. God, help me to see more in your word and for it to go down deeper in me so that I am more and more like Christ. Philippians 1, 9 through 10, Paul is saying, and this is my prayer, and this is back in the first century, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless On the day of Christ. To be able to be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, we have to be able to discern how to walk. Right? Right. We say this is going to be the greatest year of spiritual growth. We believe that God spoke that at the end of last year. How do you do that? How do you play your part? Know the Word of God and let it penetrate. That is how we grow. There's a lot of things that help growth, but nothing will grow you more than you reading and understanding and applying the word of God in your own life. And no one can do that for you. Point number four is discerning of spirits. One of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives is discerning of spirits, which simply means we're made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. So I hope if you've been around this series long enough, you guys are like, yes, I know and understand that there are real, actual demonic spirits, right? Okay, so we don't have to go there. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're able to receive the gift of discerning of spirits. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10 says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And also the interpretation of tongues. There are nine gifts that the Holy Spirit gives that are talked about in this passage. And one of them is the gift of discerning of spirits. So why did I go over that like a whole bunch of times? 
because I'd like to point out that it did not say the gift of discernment. There, there is not a gift of discernment. We've been talking that discernment is something that you learn. We are all called to learn to discern. We are all called to be a discerning people. The Bible instructs us to be able to tell the difference between good and evil. That's not just for some special people. And so, in fact, when people say they have a gift of discernment, and if that's you, I'm just saying, you may just want to think about it. Oftentimes, not all the time, oftentimes, it means you're judgmental. I'm just saying, I was there, so I can say that out of a deep understanding because my, everyone around me used to think I was judgmental. And I said, I have good discernment. And they said, you have a critical spirit. <laughs> I'm just saying. So maybe if you have the gift of discernment, you'll discern you have a critical spirit, and then you'll deal with it. So what does it look like to operate in the gift of discerning of spirits? There's a story in the Bible. It's about Simon the sorcerer. Um, he, he operated in a power and Paul and the, some of the apostles came to the place where he was, and he was seeing that Paul and the apostles did too. And he was amazed by how when they would pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that these amazing works would happen. And so he was, you know, kind of a smart guy, and he's like, I want that. Like, I want that. I see what God is doing through them, and I want that. And so he went to them, and he asked to buy the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's not good. So I'm just going to read to you uh, what Paul said. It's Acts 8, verses 22 through 23. It's a great story. You should actually read the whole thing. But Paul says, Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray that God would perhaps, or pray if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So discernment was when he knew you don't buy the Holy Spirit. You do not buy the Holy Spirit. You don't need any special gift to know that. If you know God even a little bit, you know that you can't buy anything from God because God owns everything anyway. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your good deeds. He doesn't need you to in any way buy anything. Everything you get from God is freely given to you. And so that was just good discernment. But then he said, for I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. That was the gift of discerning of spirits. He sensed what he was dealing with. It was revealed to him. And I'm sorry, it was Peter, not Paul. But he discerned that he was wrong in trying to buy the spirit, but bitterness was revealed to him through the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're charged to walk in our gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. So what he's saying here is that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to everyone, but you shouldn't try to do any of it. It has to be faith working through you. Does that make sense? If you're going to say, okay, like I heard that message on discerning of spirits and I'm going to go do that, sorry, it's not going to work. You're going to accuse people of things you probably shouldn't, and you might get punched in the mouth. Like, if someone accused me of a demon, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't actually punch you. I might actually, no, I wouldn't actually punch you. Um, but you have to have faith, and the Holy Spirit gives faith to what he's calling you to do. But if you have faith for it, 
Step out and do it. Step out and do it. Our purpose of the gift of discerning of spirits is to protect us and to protect others from deception. We're reminded that sometimes Satan comes to God's people as an angel of light. Have you heard that? He comes and sometimes he sounds so good. Sounds so wise. Quotes scripture like he did to Jesus. But we have to be able to discern when it's God and when it's not. There's a story in Acts It's in uh, chapter 16, and Matt has spoke about it in this series, and it's about the spirit of divination in the little girl. Let's read it. It says, Once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and finally, Paul became annoyed, because that's why you move in the Holy Spirit when you're annoyed. That he turned around and he said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. So I want to ask you a question. If you you noticed in this story, what the girl was saying was these men are the servants of the Most High God. That was truth. And they're showing you the way to be saved. Also truth. So why did Paul cast the demon out of her? The Bible tells us that the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Only to steal, kill, and destroy. There is nothing else that the enemy does. He is going to steal, kill, and destroy. And so if the enemy is behind her saying that, then there is some plan, some purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. But could you imagine if you were Paul and you heard that? Servants of the Most High God telling you the way to be saved. That if you weren't a discerning person, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit working in you, you might miss it, right? You might say, oh, thank you. Thank you for for using your influence to help me. There are going to be times when you're going to say, wow, that kind of sounds right. But your spirit is saying that is not right. That is the enemy. And when you recognize that it's the enemy, you do exactly what he did. In the name of Jesus, leave. You don't have to jump, shout, pray for days. The name of Jesus is that powerful. He gives us spiritual gifts so that we have all we need to partake of his divine nature. In 2 Peter, it says all things. He gives us all things. He gives us all things that pertain to life in godliness. Not some things, not partial things, not if you do a good enough whatever thing. He gives you all things that you need to walk the life that he has for you so that you can partake of his divine nature and do everything that he has called you to. A few weeks ago, I started watching a movie, um, and I don't often do it, but it was in like the religious section of whatever is on our TV. And most of the movies there I'd watch, like, you know, Overcomer and War Room and all of those movies. You guys know those movies? Some of them are actually really good movies, but I don't like to re-watch a movie ever. Um, and so I was looking for something new, and so I just like, there was a movie I hadn't heard of before, and I put it on, and it was almost from the beginning. I was like, there's something weird about this movie. But it was talking about a family, and, you know, they had this girl, and she wound up having some sort of issue later, and I didn't quite know what it was, and they were doing like this 
overview, and then they kind of started over and began at the beginning of her life. You guys know those movies, like jump back and forth in time? And so when it started back at the beginning of her life, all of a sudden, the dead grandma came back to rock the little girl at night. And I'm like, that's it. That's the weird thing. What in the, what in the world is that? But I had sensed that early on in the movie. And the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, be aware, something's not right in this thing. There's been many times um, in, in our marriage to where I, I went to Matt and I told him, like, you know, about this, this situation or, the, or this move that we're getting ready to make or, like, something's, something's off about it. And him and his natural logical mind is like, yeah, what is it? I'm like, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Like, do you, do you have an idea, like a direction, like something? I'm like, nope, I have nothing. It just doesn't feel right. It would frustrate him so bad. And, and in the beginning, he would be like, okay, whatever. Like, I told you that it used to come across as judgmental before. And so, like, he was a part of that season of my life. So he was like, you're just being that way again. But what we've learned through the years is that if we just wait and we just pray, eventually, whatever that was, was revealed. And as I allowed the word to discern me and remove the lies in me more and more, I've become better at allowing this gift to operate in me. And so now when something's not right, it's a big caution flag. It's a big hold up. We're going to pause right here and we're going to pray and we're going to wait and we're going to see what God reveals. And sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes I was wrong. We're people. We make mistakes. We're wrong. But, but God has taught us how to be able to handle the situation to where even when I'm wrong, we don't hurt a bunch of people. But more than not, a lot more than not, when I, when I feel that, that's different than just what I see, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. And when we listen to it and we wait and we allow God to reveal it, he has saved us from so much heartache. In the times we haven't, there was such a big mess that we've had to deal with for a really long period of time. And so if you have that, if you have that discerning of spirits, if you have that in you, then continue to allow the word to discern you so it becomes more and more refined. But realize that you have to wait on God. You have to wait and prayerfully seek him for how to move and operate with what he's revealed to you. Because for us, it's almost always in a different season that we are supposed to act. He gives us the discerning so that we wait. He gives us the discerning so that we slow down, so that we look for him more intently in the situation. But usually it's in a different season that he gives us the wisdom to act. The Bible teaches us that when we're infilled with the Holy Spirit, that he gives us supernatural gifts. And Paul also encourages us to desire, to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And the Bible says that if an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? As I close, I want to take us back to where we started. And we started with ourself. We started with, hey, let's, let's look at what is in us. Let's look at where we are. Let's let the word discern us. 
And so in a room of this many people, everybody's in a different place. And there, there is no way we can learn to discern. There's no way that we're going to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit if Jesus isn't our Lord and Savior. That's step one in any faith move, in any growth. That is always step one. It is always the biggest 